0: move on to the second case set for argument united states versus aussie case number 22-30135 Mr. McCann. Good
1: morning, Your Honors. May it please the Court, Counsel. Marv McCann on behalf of the defendant. It's Daniel Osi. In this case, is isn't super complicated, I don't believe. Um, I would like to reserve a few minutes of argument for rebuttal. Um, I initially wanted to address the standing question because I think that will go a little quicker. Uh, Clearly, Mr. Osi locked the vehicle when he parked it lawfully in the alley, Uh, His belongings were inside. I think that's a reasonable expectation of privacy that society is prepared to recognize. And with that, I believe he has standing to challenge the search. Um, The primary question before the court is the reasonable objectiveness. Was it
2: parked in like a valid spot where it was permissible to leave cars for a period of time? It wasn't like it was parked in some place that was unlawful.
1: Uh, it was parked behind a strip mall in a gravel kind of area behind the strip mall, but wasn't blocking the alley, and there was no no-parking signs designating that as a no-parking area, so it was not obstructing traffic or the alley and was locked. Your client
3: was um, on parole, is that correct? Yes, Your Honor. And he had absconded from parole, correct? That's correct, Your Honor. And there was a warrant out for his arrest. Yes, sir. Um and as a parolee, he can be searched or his property can be searched on reasonable cause?
1: Uh, yes, Your Honor. Montana, the administrative rules don't differentiate between a probation and parole search. They're both required to be done on reasonable cause.
3: And in this case, did the officers consult the parole officer? They did. And ask for permission to search?
1: They did, Your Honor. And that's and then he
3: received it? From the probate, officer. And at the time the officers encountered your client, he was attempting to enter the back door uh, of a gun shop?
1: Uh, There was a report of an individual trying the back door of a gun shop, but then when the officers encountered him, he was at the front of the strip mall at a pawn shop. And when they approached him, he ran? Yes, Your Honor. And you think the, the, the
3: search here was unlawful?
1: Your Honor, I don't think there was sufficient reasonable cause to search his vehicle and no reasonable nexus between what the officers had in their possession as far as objective facts to the vehicle. And I don't think any or half the objective facts presented to the officers weren't presented to the probation officer, sorry, probation parole officer supervisor Zent when he made the decision um, or determination whether or not reasonable cause existed. And I think that's the error that the lower court made in her order. She specifically referenced the uh, facts provided by the officers at the hearing that they observed OC and later discovered that he was pawning stolen jewelry with a fake name. But officer Zent, when he testified about the objective facts that he had that were in his possession, when he made the determination whether or not reasonable cause existed, he didn't have that. He had that the report had come in that the uh, uh, individual was attempting to the back door of the strip mall and that he fled the area. No, and that he but
2: reasonable cause is like reasonable suspicion. It's not like probable cause. And so why isn't a report that someone is suspiciously trying to open a back door and then runs from the officer in the front and then from the officer when he gets to the back, why isn't that enough reasonable cause to think, whoa, stop, we need to investigate? Um, I think it could be in certain circumstances, Your Honor. I
1: guess what we're challenging in this situation is that there's not a reasonable nexus to the vehicle. I think
2: probation and parole could have found Mr. Osi, but I don't think there was a nexus to the vehicle. Do you think there was reasonable cause to detain him but not necessarily his vehicle? Well, he was absconded from probation and had a warrant, so yes. I think that alone would, would justify his detention. I just don't believe there's objective facts that link the vehicle to any search. But he just came out of the vehicle, so why isn't that reasonable cause to think, you know, whatever he's up to, he may be something associated with that in the vehicle.
1: And, Your Honor, I think that is uh, Probation Supervisor Zent's uh, opinion that because he was merely, well, merely because he was absconded from probation, they could have searched everything, his house, his property, his vehicle, gone through everything he had. But I don't agree with that. And, unfortunately, in Montana, there's a lack of case law on that specific issue. Um but I think the error the lower court made was imputing the facts about the pawning and the jewelry to Officer Zent, Probation Supervisor Zent, sorry, Your Honor, um, on those two specific objective facts, the kind of Officer Firebaugh had the hunch that there would be more in the vehicle. And that's all that was expressed in the hearing was that that was all that linked them to that car. And Officer Zent, Probation Supervisor Zent was not presented with that fact. So I don't think he had a nexus to the vehicle. And I think the question for the court is whether Montana's reasonable cause
3: requirement also requires reasonable cause for the place to be searched. And I think that's what's missing. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. How did the officers know this was his car or his vehicle? Or Um, or the vehicle, it turns out, was someone else's, but the vehicle that he had driven up to the mall? How did they know that? So they had a description from the initial report, and the
1: officer that responded to the rear of the strip mall, Officer Firebaugh, just observed the vehicle, but the officer that responded to the front of the strip mall, Officer Puckett, observed my client, who she knew. She actually knew him from school. She didn't recall his name. They called the registered owner of the vehicle who said... Where did this happen? Sorry? Where did this happen? The exchange or the observation of my client? Geographically, where did this... uh, this oh. is in front of the strip mall. In what city? Billings, Montana. Okay. So a lot
3: of people know each other.
1: Um, actually I think they were from a different town. I don't recall specifically they're from another a neighboring but small town. But one officer town.
3: observes him get out of this car
1: and recognizes him from the small town they were both from. They call and the what red- small town was that? I don't recall your honor. I'm sorry I didn't include that in the facts. Okay. Um, now didn't the officers also determined that this was not his car? Yes, they called the registered owner of the vehicle and learned that it was the registered owner's sister's boyfriend, Danny O., who possessed the vehicle. When they got that information, Officer Puckett recognized, oh, that's Daniel Osi from my small town.
3: And didn't they confirm that the backpack or whatever it was inside the vehicle did not belong to the owner or any of the permissive users?
1: Uh, they didn't confirm whether or not it belonged to Mr. O. C. They did have the owner on the scene. She responded to the scene, and she indicated, well,
3: these are mine, but that backpack's that, not mine. That's not mine. Okay. Thank you. Um,
1: and, and, Your Honor, I, th- I think with that lack of nexus to the vehicle, there, there's not uh, justification for the officers to search that vehicle, and there would not have been justification for the officers to search his home, um, Probation Supervisor Zent feels there was, but I think that's wrong, and I think it's error for the court to attribute the the objective facts that the officers were aware of to Probation Supervisor Zent, and he clearly stated in his testimony that he was not aware of those facts related to the pawning of the jewelry and the the false name.
0: Do you want to reserve? I do, Your Honor. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Your Honors.
4: May it please the court. Good morning. My name is Tom Godfrey. I'm an AUSA with the District of Montana for the United States. Um, Mr. Osi was on parole at the time, and there are numerous conditions of his parole that aren't just, don't commit any new crimes. One of the conditions of his parole, for instance, was to live in an approved residence by probation and parole, to give them access to that residence. There was a condition regarding him having to maintain employment, talk to probation and parole about that employment. So I think it's important here not to limit the the probation and parole search only to whether there was reasonable suspicion of a violation of his parole because he had committed a new crime or there was reasonable suspicion. Well,
0: it sounds like uh, counsel's conceding that part of the argument. He's saying there's no connection. They, They could have picked him up, but they couldn't have connected him to the
4: car. And if that's the case, Your Honor, then there is reasonable suspicion to search the car, because if the only place parole knows that Daniel Osi has been is this car that he's borrowing per the uh, statement and from the what, Red...
0: remind me, what's the evidence that they knew that he had been in the car? Just because it was parked there and he was found uh, close, I, I don't, what was the proximity to the car when they found him?
4: Absolutely, Your Honor. He was, he was, so initially there's a report that he arrives in the car and tries to get in the back of bare-tooth guns. Then when officers arrived to investigate, and Officer Firebaugh had seen him earlier at the jewelry store, which was next door, and remembered that he was there when he responded. Officer Puckett finds him in front of the strip mall. He runs from Officer Puckett, and he runs in the direction of the car in this alley, and then he sees Officer Firebaugh next to the car, and Officer is checking the car, getting the information for the car, and then he turns as soon as he sees Officer Fireball by, you know, the car he's borrowing, he takes off. On top of that, aside from that, they contact the registered owner of the car prior to the search who said she uh, that the car was being used by Danny O, Daniel Osi in this case. So the officers prior to the search had more than ample information that he'd been using this car. But I want to go back to... Was that
2: communicated to the um, probation officer at the time the request for permission to search was made?
4: Yes, Your Honor. And I also, addressing that point, would also dispute that the record shows that uh, the probation parole officer wasn't told. Um, about uh, the fact that he had been pawning uh, jewelry under a fake name and a fake Social Security name, Officer Puckett testified to the court that she had relayed that to uh, Probation and Parole Officer Zent. What Probation and Parole Officer Zent testified to the court was he didn't remember being told that. Um, but the district court clearly credited uh, Officer Puckett's testimony that she had told Officer Zent that. And it makes sense in the context of what had happened here because the officers had gotten all this information prior to calling Officer Zent and it it also makes sense that Officer Zent might not remember that because he had just been told that they had found Daniel Lossi, he'd previously fled he was on absconded status and again getting back to My first point, if only to search the car that they know he's using, the only location that they know he's at to find out where he's living, um, that would be an authorized search of probation and parole because he's in violation of the condition of his parole to let parole know where he's residing and to be in an approved residence. Do you
2: agree that um, the parole conditions require a reasonable suspicion with respect to the car in order to search the car?
4: I do, Your Honor. Okay. Uh, there does have to be a nexus in Montana, uh, their probation and parole search conditions um, to the location to be searched. So, for example, if... Um, someone had violated probation and parole by um, losing their job, for instance, and there was no reasonable suspicion that evidence of not being in compliance with maintaining their employment would be found in their car. Probation and parole wouldn't be able to search the car for that. But what we have here is someone who... But the
0: home is different, right? Isn't that a condition that their home is available to be searched?
4: So, Your Honor, probation and parole in Montana can do home visits at any time. It's sur- not search. And do surprise inspections. Um, and inside, if they see evidence of a violation, then they could do a search. Um, so it, it the, the home, the same condition for automobile home and person all requires reasonable suspicion in I Montana. No, it's all the same thing. It's all the same okay. thing, exactly.
3: Someone, did someone observe him leave the car when he, Was first at the area?
4: There was a report that this suspect had arrived in the car and was trying to get in the employee entrance of the Beartooth Gun Store. Um, So that was a report of the reporting party. I don't believe that the officers physically saw him get out of the car at any point. They saw him run to the car and then run away from it, and then they had the information from the registered owner that he had borrowed it.
3: The officer who recognized Aussie because they were from the same small town?
4: Yes, Your Honor. you know
3: the name of that town?
4: I, I I know I was told it, Your Honor, and I don't recall it at oh, this moment. Um,
3: I, I promise you, the case will not be decided based <laughs> upon that.
4: And, and that was Officer Puckett, who initially saw Mr. Osi and then chased him to Officer Firebaugh, and then and
3: she testified that she
4: knew him. Yes, Your Honor. She knew him from school. Yeah. And Officer Firebaugh knew him from previous interactions in law enforcement. So both officers, when they saw him, recognized him and couldn't remember his name until they heard Danny O. from the registered owner and both testified, oh, it was Daniel Osi. Then they contacted probation and parole. But by that time, they'd already learned that he had... Um, sold jewelry to the coin store next door under fake name and fake social security number. So aside from reasonable suspicion, which is the simplest way to resolve the case, because he was simply absconded. They didn't know where he was living. They didn't know if he was working. All the basic conditions of probation and parole that are violations of his parole that he wasn't in compliance in also justify a search of the car, because that's the only place they knew where he was. So for mail of where he was living, where he was working, any of that would be evidence of a violation of his probation condition. And so I just again wanted to emphasize that it's not simply that his condition of parole is don't commit new crimes. Um, but aside from that, even if it were true that there was no nexus to the car, um, for a probation and parole, uh, search, there simply was probable cause here to search the car under the automobile exception. Um, the officers at the time knew that he had, uh, that he had borrowed the car from the registered owner, that he um, had sold jewelry under a fake name and fake Social Security number at Artie's Coins. He ran to the car when he was first confronted and then ran away from it when he saw police were already there. And that, aside from providing reasonable suspicion that he was in violation of the don't commit a new crime provision of his probation and parole.
0: But you, although you didn't even need to get there, right? I mean, you, He was already in violation of his parole.
4: That's correct, Your Honor. It, I, it, it's more to emphasize the fact that the reasonable suspicion is so strong that it would arise even to probable cause under the automobile exception to search the car in this case. Um, so, again, um, looking at what probation and parole knew in this case, they had no idea where he was. He'd previously fled two weeks from law enforcement, and the only place that they knew where he had been was this car that he was using. And if only, aside from getting into how they knew he was not you know, they had reasonable suspicion that he was committing new crimes to show where he was living, residing. But
2: where in the district court's order does it say that the court found that um, the probation officer was told about the false name and social security number and pawning goods?
4: So in the discussion of the facts section, Your Honor, um, the, the district court talks about how um, Officer Firebaugh and um, Officer Puckett learned the various things, such as that he had. Uh, Upon the stolen jewelry under a fake name. So
2: Firebaugh found out those details. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Puckett talked to the owner of the vehicle who declined the search and then it says that Puckett contacted the probation officer and informed Zent of the recent events.
4: Correct, it was, Your
2: Honor. Doesn't tell us whether it was just what she learned or what Firebaugh learned as well?
4: I think based on the record, Your Honor, in terms of how both Firebaugh and Puckett testified that they consulted before talking to probation and parole, that it's clear from the record that Officer Puckett had that information. And then I note that Officer Puckett testified um, that she relayed that information to Officer Zent. So the record shows she knew that information from Officer Firebaugh prior to contacting Officer Zent. Um and that's ER seventy five seventy-six, Your Honor. Um but again, even aside from that, if we take away say that um officers Zent did not know that uh that there had been properties uh pawned under a fake name and fake social security number, Officer Zent knew that Daniel Osi was completely out of compliance, they didn't know where he was, and he was in this car. So it makes perfect sense that Officer Zent would have immediately thought I'm going to authorize the search of this car because if only to find evidence of where he was living, residing, it was the only place they knew where he was. So there absolutely was reasonable suspicion to search that vehicle for numerous violations of the conditions of his supervision, not just the commission of the new crime. Um, And I am almost out of time, so unless the court has any other questions for me. Thank you. Thank you.
0: We have some time for rebuttal.
1: Um, I think the case hinges on the objective facts that were presented to Probation Supervisor Zent. Um, and I would like to read, I guess, just a short exchange between the court. This is after testimony was elicited from Mr. Godfrey and myself, and the court was asking Mr. Zent about some of these questions. Um, what
2: page are you going to read from?
1: And I'm looking at excerpts of record, page 92. Uh, the court asked Mr. Zent, well, I thought you said that Officer Puckett, you didn't recall her telling you about what Mr. Osi had been doing at Artie's Coins, and I, that's in reference to the pawning of the stolen jewelry and using the false name. Uh, Officer Zent, can I reference my Crone again, and that is in reference to the chronological log that's maintained by the Probation and Parole Department? Uh, the court, certainly. The witness, what I learned that day. I received a call that Mr. Osi had been observed trying to enter the back of a building where Artie's Coins and Tooth guns do business that was the first call from officer puckett and he had fled the scene at the time but left behind a blue subaru that he'd been driving and so that's Did the extent that
0: sealed the deal there he told he left behind a blue subaru that he'd been driving
1: your honor i don't think that establishes reasonable suspicion that there's contraband or evidence inside that vehicle that would justify a reasonable well, suspicion but it's
0: connected to him and he's uh been in uh, what what would be required then
1: I think there would have to be some nexus to establish that there may be contraband or evidence located within the vehicle. I thought
0: your argument was resting on there was no evidence that he'd come from that particular car. No, Your Honor. Okay. He he
1: acknowledges that he drove the vehicle to the scene, secured it, and then fled the scene. Um, Our argument is that there must be a reasonable suspicion, reasonable cause to create a nexus to the place to be searched. They clearly had authorization to arrest Mr. Osi. They knew he wasn't in the car at the time they conducted the search. They knew that he was loaned the car that morning. There's barely very, very little chance that there would be, you know, receipts or mail or things like that in the vehicle um, that would justify the search. They knew that he had just received it that morning, and they knew that he had just left the car that morning. Um, I think the only thing they have that that Goes to the car is Officer Fireboss Hunch, and I don't think that's sufficient to create a reasonable nexus to the vehicle. Um, and I think more is required than what they had.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you to both counsel for your arguments in this case, and the case is now submitted.